This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. This is Clark, along with Rick and Ron, and while you can hear our voices, we're actually not really here. True story. No, it sounds as if we are, but that's the miracle of radio. We're on vacation, but our voices... Well, they aren't, and neither are the voices of some of our favorite guests. So what you're going to hear for the next two hours are some of our best interviews from the past year, starting, well, starting right now. Edron James won two NFL rushing titles for the Indianapolis Colts and rushed for 1,500 yards four times in his career. He was as fast as back in NFL history to gain 3,000 yards, 4,000 yards. 5,000 yards, 6,000, 9,000, 10,000, 11,000. I think you get the idea. Get the idea. Edwin James was special. And what he did with the football under his arm was special. And now he's here with us today to talk about his career. And this will be special. Edge, welcome to the show. Hey, how y'all doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Hey, Edge, every back in the top 14 on the NFL's all-time rushing list is in the Hall of Fame except two, you and LaDainian Talmudson. And Talmudson's not eligible yet. So what's the holdup? What's your definition of a Hall of Fame running back? Well, I think the, the running back position, you know, when, you, when you're brought into the game and you're asked to, to play running back, you're asked to do three things, three major things, and it's to be able to run the ball, to be able to catch the ball, and to also be able to block. And nowadays, for some reason, they, they're just downplaying the significance of all the blocking that's been done. And me, I took pride in doing all three things. You know, I wasn't a player that was – you know, that would just in there to run the ball or just catch the ball. You know, I stayed out there to do the other part that's that's not really highlighted. And to be a to be a Hall of Fame running back, you got to be able to do all three of those things. And also off the field, you got to be able to carry yourself a certain way and represent, you know, the NFL. And that's one thing that I've always tried to do, and I've always made sure that I was aware of. You know, to be a Hall of Fame back, those are things that I think is very important. You became Indy's uh, all-time leading rusher during the seven years you were there, but you never went to the Super Bowl. And then you left in your eighth season to uh, sign a free agency with the Cardinals, and boom, the Colts go to the Super Bowl. In, in hindsight, how much would you have liked to have spent your, your entire career uh, in Indianapolis and played in that championship season? Was that hard for you? No, it really wasn't hard, you know, because you under, when, you, when you come into this game, you understand the business, you understand the NFL. You know, so there's really no hard feelings. You know, I have a great relationship with the Colts. I'm once a Colt, always a Colt, and I have a, a tremendous respect for the owner and the organization. So I'm always tied to the organization. And as far as the championship, you know, I understand that we was right we was right there. So I knew there was a there was a good chance of them getting to the Super Bowl. And as a team player and as a coach, you know, the first thing that I did to help was as soon as they drafted Joseph Adai, you know, I made sure I kinda sped him up as far as learning anything he needed to know as far as the offense to kinda help the team. Because for me you know, I understand the organization, and I love the organization, so I'm always going to take pride in helping any way I can. Even if I wasn't there, you know, I was there somewhat. Hey, Edge, the organization loves you, too. They gave you a Super Bowl ring, didn't they? Yeah, they gave me one, and, um, you know, I appreciate it, and uh, I always keep that near and dear. <laughs> Where is that, near and dear? Do you wear it, or is it in a showcase someplace? 
That's why I didn't say the location. <laughs> you don't trust us. <laughs> You're smart right, guy. <laughs> smart man. We're with a smart man. Hall of Fame semifinalist Edger and James and Edge. You had a couple 1,000-yard seasons for the Cardinals. Uh, you even made it to a Super Bowl with them in 2008. You spent the bulk of your career with a couple of special guys, and those are Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, then you go to Arizona, Kurt Warner, and Kurt Warner is also a Hall of Fame semifinalist. Can you compare the two for us? Well, they're both great guys. You know, as quarterbacks, they both love to throw the ball, you know. So it's, it's one thing that, that you get to know your quarterback a lot when you're a running back because you're – you know, you have to do a lot of protecting them also, and then you have to get up there and you got to fight for the ball because, you know, the quarterbacks, they, they love to put the ball down the field, and both of them are great guys and, and the team players. And the, and the amount of work that I see both of those guys put in into the game, you know, it doesn't come a surprise to see the success they've had and for them to be going into the Hall of Fame. You know, so as far as comparing the two, you know, it, uh, it, it was two different types of offenses. You know, Peyton was more – it was a more – carry out your fake, detailed, you know, run, pass, balance, you know, and then out in Arizona, you know, it was two different systems. And, and the second year, you know, with the second staff, you know, we kind of favored Kirk the way he liked to, you know, when he was with the Rams and, you know, he liked to throw those quick passes. And and so it's, there's, there's a lot of similarities, but it's kind of different also. But at the end of the day, the results are pretty much the same. Edge, in that 1999 draft, all the hype was about Ricky Williams and his Heisman Trophy. Did you feel you were being shortchanged in the draft process? And when did you find out you were going to be drafted ahead of him? Well, that, that process, it kind of reminds me of how everything goes in my life. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, at first, you know, they kind of don't pay attention to things and they really don't get into the details. It's just like with this Hall of Fame thing. When you break everything down and you look into everything, You'll, look, you'll, you'll realize, you know what, this guy deserves, and that's what happened during that draft time. You know, you know, it wasn't a thing that was highlighted, you know, because I was at the University of Miami. We was, we was, under, we was, we was just coming out of those sanctions, and, you know, so we was below the radar. And then once the coaches and the team, the organization, they did their homework, you know, they realized that, hey, this guy could really play. And so it wasn't a surprise to everybody in the organization or anybody that actually did their homework. It just was a surprise to everybody else on the outside because they only get a chance to see what's shown on TV and what's popular, you know. And, you know, Ricky's a great running back. He had a great career. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, I fit that system. And, you know, we, we went out and we put the work in, and these are the results. What was the second question? Right, so when, did, when did you find out you were going to be drafted ahead of him? Were you told on the clock that you're going ahead of him? Or did you know it beforehand you were, you were going to go ahead of him in the draft? The Colts tip you off at all? No, nah, during during the whole process, you know, I um I never knew where I was going to go. You know, I was just happy to be going into the NFL because I knew that once I got to the NFL, you know, that I was going to actually become a great player. That was always my thought process. So it's just a matter of waiting and see where you're going to go. And you know, right before, during the draft, you know, I guess during the third pick, you know, I get the phone call from the Colts. You know, and everybody was shocked. And you know, but they had they, you know. After, you know, after after the whole process went over, you start putting the pieces together, and you can start seeing that you know they they have been snooping around, they have been asking questions, you know that was unusual. But you really didn't pay no attention because you never thought that they was gonna trade Marshall Fall. You never thought that you know the draft would turn out the way it turned out. So you really kind of ignored the signs. So that's that's kind of how it played out, and I didn't find out until the, um, until right before the pick. 
could make it happen. Edge, question for you. There's a belief around football that there's a wall for running backs, and we're speaking, by the way, to running back, former running back, Edgerin James, of the Indianapolis Colts and Arizona Cardinals, but there's a, a belief that the wall for running backs uh, historically is 29, the age of 29, but you rush for 1,000 yards at the age of 29 and never again. Eric Dickerson, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jerome Bettis, some of the other backs who rush for 1,000 at 29, but never again. Is there, in fact, a wall well, for me, I, I don't think there's a wall because when I was 30 years old, my, that year in Arizona, I was up to my best year in Arizona. You know, but because of the we, because of the personal stuff going on with the staff, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to play, you know, so they put me on the sideline. And I still ended up leading the team in rushing, and I had an average that was better than the person that I was replaced with. But, you know, it's a lot of stuff that goes into the decisions that are made. And I was well off to – having another 1,000-yard season easily, which would have put me number six, number seven, number eight all time. You know, but unfortunately, things like that happen, and you're not able to, you know, kind of fulfill that obligation. But as far as the the, the wall, it's all situation. It all depends on the player. And it wasn't – and a lot of times you don't get there because you're hurt. I wasn't injured, and I was – you know, and then it brought me back on during the playoffs. You know, so it's one of those things where, you know, it, it depends on the player, it depends on the situation. And I can't say that 30 is the wall. I'm quite sure that um, the Adrian Peterson is going to prove that 30-year-olds can get get the job done. Frank's going <laughs> to prove that. So, yeah, I, I don't think – I don't believe in that. Yeah, and Curtis Martin led the league in rushing at 31. Exactly. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's all situational. Edge, if you could pick one game to give to the Hall of Fame Selection Committee and say, judge my candidacy on this game, which game in your career would it be and why? I, re- I really can't say one game because every game is different, and you have, you have to look at the body of work. You have to look at all three phases of the game. So it's, it's one of those things where you can't just say one game. I can't, I can't personally say one game because I try to play every snap and try to play as much as I could. Edge, I want to thank you for the time, and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thank Edge. you, Edge. Thanks, Edge. Coming up, more of our best interviews from the past year. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Hi, can I help you pick out some flowers? Yeah, I need a centerpiece, but these yellow ones are too bright for a fundraising event. Do you have anything in gamboge? Gamboge? Gamboge. As a small business owner, you've got enough to deal with. 
Let the experts at Progressive insure your business so you can focus on uh, Gamboge. With over 30 commercial auto and business coverage options, we'll build a plan that's right for you. Oh, and they need to be hypoallergenic. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. I've always had the dream my whole life. I wanted to live on waterfront property. My favorite thing is just that little sound of that motor going by in the distance. And then about a minute later, the waves come out and make the, the old rickety deck squeak a little bit. It's where I want to be. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef, starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Well, as you should know by now, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download MyCleanPC.com software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. And our first guest... We're privileged to have. He ranks third in NFL history in catches, fifth in receiving touchdowns, seventh in receiving yards, and now now he's headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Marvin Harrison was voted into the class of 2016 in his third year of eligibility. Marvin was an all-decade selection for the 2000s and set an NFL record with his 143 catches in a single season in 2002, a record that has held up now for 13 seasons. Marvin First of all, congratulations on your choice for the Hall, and secondly, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much, and it's a pleasure. Marvin, you had the stats, Pro Bowls, the all-decade acclaim, championship ring. You checked all the boxes. Were you wondering these last few years what the hold-up for your enshrinement was? Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't wondering. After the first year, I didn't get in. Um, you know, I was a little blindsided by it, but I just said, you know, hey, it just, I guess it wasn't my time. And then the following year, which was last year, uh, it was myself or Tim Brown. So I said, you know, I, in my mind, I was hoping that Tim Brown gets in. You know, I, I watched Tim Brown all my career and had the chance to play with him alongside him at the Pro Bowls. And I was, you know, just hoping that he would get in, and he did. So it, worked, it kind of worked out well. That way. You know, it's a funny thing. Uh, uh, Rick and I sit on the senior committee, so we see a lot of guys that wait a long time and wait a lot longer than they should. In, in the case of receivers, Art Malk and Andre Reed waited eight years. Tim Brown, you just mentioned, of course, and Chris Carter were six years. At any time during this three-year period, did you wonder what does it take for a wide receiver to get into the Hall of Fame, or were you starting to sort of figure out the the order of things? No, it's, it's, it's nothing that I could figure out myself. And um, like I said, after the first year, I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about it anymore. You know, the first year, you, you don't know what to expect. And, 
you know, everyone says you're a Hall of Famer. So when you didn't get in the first year, I just I, I just sort of just left it alone. And I just said, whatever happens, happens. And I, I didn't, you know, I just left the excitement alone and let everything take its course. We're speaking with the newest member of the Hall, a class of 2016 member, Marvin Harrison. And Marvin, um, entering your third year of eligibility for Canton, you were joined in the finals, as you know, for that class by another elite receiver, and that's Terrell Owens, uh, former 49er, Eagle, uh, you name it, Dallas Cowboy. Question, how concerned were you that the two of you could split the vote, much like Brown and Andre Reid and Chris Carter had in past years, but could split the vote and keep each other out? Uh, I wasn't concerned at all. Uh, I'm not concerned about, you know, T.O. not one bit. You know, I, you know, I was concerned about myself, so I wasn't worried about splitting the vote, vote with anyone. Uh, and that was it. You know, the person that was supposed to get in got in, and that was me. If he didn't get in, that's his problem. He can <laughs> all the other he's been doing. That's on him. But I'm in. My jacket is gold. I don't look in the rearview mirror for nobody, so he can get his ass in whenever he gets in. He doesn't get in. Too bad. Hey, hey, Mar- Marvin, a follow-up question on that. Now that you're in, you're a member of the hall. Nobody can take that away from you. Should Terrell Owens be in the hall? I'm not worried about nobody in my rearview mirror. I'm only worried about the gold jacket. And I have a gold jacket. I'm not worried about gold jackets behind me. Okay, but up to me, Isaac Bruce, Reggie Wayne, uh, I can go and listen. Uh, Moss, Randy Moss can all get in. They all get a lot of class with them. If they didn't get in the same time I got in, they'd have had a better approach about it as opposed to this guy. And I'm not worried about nobody else but me. My jacket is gold. I don't look in the rearview mirror. Marvin, line forms his back, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Marvin, you led the league in receiving twice, including that 143-catch season in 2002. Now, the football is in the, in the air so much more in today's game than it was then. Are you surprised that 13 years later that record still stands? Uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising. Um, well, not, actually, not surprising. I mean, when it happened, you know, Tom Moore was like, this, this record's going to stay here for a long time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and to, to, for it to still be there, that's a lot of catches. But even with, the, like you said, today's game, everyone's throwing the ball, you know, a gazillion times. So, you know, I'm surprised that it's still there. And uh, I guess someday it'll probably be broken. You spent your entire career, obviously, with one team, uh, the Colts, and what you had uh, with Peyton Manning was really special. Is it difficult for you to watch uh, Manning now finishing his career with the Broncos, clearly not physically the guy that he, he was. Is it hard for you to sort of watch him play and struggle when, when you knew him, you know, when, when the two of you were the height of the game? Uh, well, I don't really watch – I didn't really watch as many uh, Denver games as it was. But from my perspective, I was fortunate and happy that I was played with one team. And um, I probably could have came back and played a year or two with someone else, but I decided that, you know, I, I was dedicated to Indianapolis, and that's where I wanted to end my career, and I was more than happy to walk away at that time. Peyton, you know, he's, he does his own thing. You know, he's a guy that loves football. He loves the game. He just lives. This is what he lives for. So, for him to continue and the way things happened at Indianapolis, it happened the best for Indianapolis, and it happened the best for him. So that now that he's, you know, played with Denver, you know, like I say, this is what he wants to do. He wants to continue to play football. Marvin, how much fun was it playing with Manning when you were both at the height of your careers? Uh, I wouldn't say fun. You know, it wasn't fun. We were, it was work and determination. You know, even if, you know, we won a game, you know, we had, he had 400 yards passing, I had 150 yards receiving. You know, that was fun. But at the end of the day, we always looked forward to next week. You know, we had a, we had a hunger about ourselves that, you know, we sort of saved the fun for the aftermath. And right now the fun for me is, you know, 
being selected into the Hall of Fame in 2016. Now the fun can begin. So while I was playing, it was all work. Hey, Marvin, you said he lives for this game, and he does. Would you be shocked if he didn't retire? Uh, no, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't. No, I, I would you know, expect him to keep playing. This is my opinion. I would expect him to keep playing. But hmm. if he does retire, I would be shocked. So. Oh, you would? Whoa. Yeah, I okay. would. I mean, I, he just loves it. But, I mean, everyone has a you know, different opinion, a way to go about every year. So if his body says it's time to stop, I'm sure that he'll do the right thing for his health. Was it hard for you to retire, uh, uh, Marvin? Or, or it sounds like that you you know, you know had a sort of different grasp in, on the game and maybe understanding of, uh, you know, how things go. Was it hard for you when the time came to tell yourself, well, that's it? No, absolutely not. I was more than thrilled <laughs> to retire. I was like, this is, if this is it, I'm fine with it. Uh, and ironically enough, when Coach Dungy announced that he was retiring, it was about three weeks later, but when he said it, I was like, man, you know, what am I going to do without Coach Dungy? This is, that's what I said to myself. And three weeks later, I was presented, you know, with leaving Indianapolis and should I continue to play. And I was, everything just fell in place for me. At one team, Coach Dungy's leaving, it was just perfect for me. I, and I was more than happy to get home and go to practice with my, my two sons and just be a part of their life and everyday activities. So that was, that was perfect for me. We're speaking with Marvin Harrison, who's a member of the Hall of Fame's class of 2016. Marvin, you caught over 1,100 passes in your career. Is there one catch for you that stands out? I mean, one catch you'd like to see up there on the Jumbotron when they introduce you as a Hall of Famer? Uh, no, there's not one catch, but, uh, you know, whatever it is, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll look forward to, to seeing it. But uh, there wasn't one. If you got 1,100, I'm just, I'm, I probably I can't even remember, but um, <laughs> I'm sure uh, it'll be a good one. You know, you, you, you sound like you talk pretty fondly of uh, Tony Dungy. How much, what, what did he do to enhance your career? Um, he let me be me. So that was the, the key to any coach or, you know, you, you don't want a, a coach or a receiver coach to come in and change the way, the style of player that you are. When Coach Dungy came, he came in and continued to let me, you know, be the receiver that I have grown to be. And uh, he just surrounded me, you know, not only myself, but the entire team with a good defense. And, you know, he, he told us what it was about to be a team. So defense and offense, we're going to, you know, we're going to together, we can win a championship. And, that, and that's, what, uh, that's what came about. Do you find it ironic that you guys are going to share the stage this August? Uh, yeah, I do, I do uh, find it ironic. Like I said, when we retired together in uh, 07, you know, I was, you know, when he left, I was just more than happy to leave with him. And then here it is, you know, now we're, you know, we're going and getting insurance together. So I, I think it's a, a big deal, and it's, it's a definitely big credit to the city of Indianapolis that we get to get to uh, Indianapolis Colts. Hey, Marvin, it was a big deal talking to you. We want to thank you for the time, and congratulations on your induction into the Hall of Fame. Oh, thank you. Thank you tremendously. In that neighborhood, it was almost impossible to get what we could afford. So I had set up alerts on Zillow to say, if anything in this area ever comes below a certain price point, it just popped up one day, and I was like, oh, my God, we have to go see it. It's a really wonderful neighborhood. And then to add on to that how wonderful the house is is so cool. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Geico applauds your inner ride leader. An enthusiastic engine rev goes out to the biker in you who leads the pack. Even if that pack is a party of one, you're still a leader to Geico. To prove it, Geico will insure your motorcycle with great rates and 24-7 customer service. And with Geico by your side, you're never cruising solo. 
which means you've just been nominated as a real ride leader. Congrats. The smell of fine leather and trailblazing is in your future. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to SOS-USA.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Our next guest is a longtime friend of the show and of ours and of just about everyone who knows him. And now he's a friend of the Hall of Fame, too. Ladies and gentlemen, he's no longer former head coach Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winner and coach for the NFL's sixth best winning percentage. Nope, now he's Hall of Fame coach, Tony Dungy, member of the class of 2016. And, Tony, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does, and it's still hard to process. But, uh, man, it's an awesome, awesome honor. And to, to be with the other seven guys going in, it's a special feeling and one I'll never, ever forget. Tony, they say that uh, when you go in, you develop a camaraderie with your class, the guys in it. Did you see that developing last weekend? Absolutely. It already has. Marvin Harrison already named Kevin Green the captain of our, our class. <laughs> but it is, and the wives all bonded. And, you know, for me, it's just weird because every guy, there was some kind of tie-in. And I played a year for Eddie DeBarlo. I played 21 games against Brett Favre. Uh, Marvin and I going in together. Kevin Green, you know, played against him so often. Orlando Pace, we played in that NFC Championship game in 99, and I, I remember being introduced to him um, at Terry Glenn's Pro Day. And the huh. coach at Ohio State said, this is the best player we've got. He's going to be one of the best players ever to come out of Ohio State. And just on and on and on. Uh, Dick Stanfield, you know, me being a, a Lions guy growing up, and then he coached all those years uh, uh, and getting to coach against him. So, it was just uh, something. Ken Stabler's grandson, you know, I was able to tell them about 1977, my rookie year, and playing against Ken Stabler. It just, uh, it was incredible. Uh, incredible to tie in, and you do. You feel like, we feel like a family already. I know, uh, I'm sure that a lot of things go through a guy's mind when this moment finally comes. They knock on the door and tell you that you're in the hall, Tony, but who was the first person you thought of? What was the first thing that came to mind when once you realized you were in? I thought of my dad who told me when I was very young, don't let other people define what you want to do. Do do what is in your mind and your dreams. And so I thought of him, and it would have been special to have him and my mom there. Uh, but then I thought of Coach Noel right away. And, and Coach Noel hired me as a 25-year-old with no coaching experience and, and you know, guiding me through uh, for, for eight years 
showing me how to do things. That, that's who my mind raised back to, all the lessons I've learned from him. Would you be here without him, Tony? Absolutely would not. Um, you know, took a chance on me as a, a player, but then uh, as, as a coach as well, and, and just, you know, put me in charge of a secondary um, with Mel Blunt and J.T. Thomas and Donnie Shell and guys who taught me how to play. And then that was a, a risk. And then three years later, made me the defensive coordinator when I was 28 and, and you know, didn't go outside and, and get someone else. So he, he got me started. But more than anything, um, I think he taught me that you could have a life away from the game. He talked about that all the time, and he lived it. You know, we prepared and worked as hard as anybody, but we didn't sleep in the office. We didn't uh, – you know, we didn't do crazy stuff like that. And he wasn't a guy that embarrassed people or yelled at people or tried to make the point that he was the head coach. He always talked about teaching and encouraging your guys and helping your players. So everything I learned, not not just on the field and X's and O's, and you can talk about cover two, and, you know, I learned all that from him. But more than that, how to coach and how to help people be the best they could be, I uh, couldn't have had a better teacher. Tony, it took you three three years to get in. How frustrating is it that you, you spent a lifetime having an impact on making decisions and putting yourself in a position of all but for three years, you can do nothing. The record doesn't change. There's nothing you can say or do that can help your case. How frustrating was that three-year wait? Well, it, it wasn't frustrating, but it was funny to me because Ira Kaufman, as you know, was my presenter. And... He's interviewing me every year, and I'm saying, I, I, I haven't done anything in the last eight years. I don't know what I can tell you to help sell this. Uh, and he was getting more frustrated than I was. But He did a good job. I'll tell you that. He made a great presentation. Saying, I, I looked around at the reception, and who would I not vote for? And, and that's when I didn't think it was going to happen. That's, you know. Morton Anderson, he's not getting a lot of play, but, but gosh, he's the leading scorer in the history of the league. And Ezra and James played for me in, you know, four 1,500-yard seasons, and he could catch the ball and block and do everything. And, and so you look at all these guys and say, I, I don't know who they're going to eliminate. So it just uh, it, it's still hard to believe. You know, Tony, many coaches <clears throat> tell me that they remember the losses far more longer and more deeply than the victories. You've had plenty of, of, of both as with any coach. Uh, did this moment deaden any of the disappointment of some of those uh, losses, especially playoff losses, or do, or do they sort of still burn there kind of in the bottom of your stomach? You know, I always look at losses as, as disappointments, but as times to grow. And, uh, you know, that's why I was kind of a little disappointed at Cam Newton, uh, you know, the other day that, you know, yeah, sure, you're disappointed, but you got to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to learn from this. We're going to grow. We're going to come back better next year. So um, I always, you know, I, I never let the disappointments eat at you. And and I do think we could have won a couple of more Super Bowls. Our 2005 team, that, that was the best team I, I've ever been around, I think, and, and we didn't win it. But it gave us fuel for 2006 and uh, kept us going. So, that's the way you look at it. And then when a moment like this comes, when, when now people are talking about you in the category of Chuck Noll and Bill Walsh and, you know, Tom Landry and Joe Gibbs of guys who I just looked at as the icons to be in the same room. Um, it's just incredible. We're with Tony Dungy, member of the Hall of Fame's class of 2016. And Tony, as you mentioned you're going in with one of your former players, Marvin Harrison. And you mentioned you also played uh, for Eddie DeBartolo, who's going in. And you 
are going in on a weekend, or you were elected on a weekend, when another of your former players, that's Peyton Manning, won his second Super Bowl. Does it get any better than this? It could not have been more perfect. That was my, my first question. David Baker comes to the door, the president of the Hall of Fame, and he says, you're in. And I was like, oh, my, my goodness, I can't believe it. My wife's screaming. My nine-year-old son, Justin's crying. And, you know, and so then I said, well, I don't know if you can tell me who else is in. And he said, yeah, I can tell you Marvin's in. And it just, I, I, man, it was, it was great. And he and I are on the sideline waiting to be introduced. And, and so we're watching the warm-ups and watching Pete Manning in what might be his last game warming up. And it was just, it was such an emotional feeling. And then for, for him to, to go out as a winner, it couldn't have been a better weekend. Tony, you, you told me that you heard from your Little League coach. Are you surprised yes. at the people that have called? And who's called? And, and who, who's been the biggest surprise of the calls? Everybody. I mean, from way back to my first coach when I was probably seven years old and eight years old going into Little League baseball. And, um, you know, my high school coaches have, have texted and, um, you know, tried to get in touch with me. And, and uh, of course, all my Steeler buddies and ex uh, teammates and um, it's just it's just been incredible and, and um, that was probably the most touching moment you know we're on the, on the stage lined up and then all of the Hall of Famers come up that are in the audience and congratulate you and to see you know Franco Harris and Lynn Swan you know come up and just say congratulations man you're with us it, it, it still doesn't even feel right did you Tony think at all about you know, so many people, the three of us included, told you many times, you know, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of what, what year it happens. Do you ever allow yourself to think, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's going to happen, maybe not this year, maybe not next year? But, or, did, or did you always think it was just a sort of thing in the distance that you know, does, happens to other people but not to me? You, you're never quite sure it's going to happen. And everybody would tell you, oh, you, when you make the final 15, you're so close and you just have to be patient. And I talked to Andre Reed a, a little bit on uh, Thursday night as well. And he was saying, oh, I think this is going to be your year. You know, I had to wait, but it, it's worth it. And it's going to be worth it for you. And, and that's when you start getting nervous because at first you do think, well, it's not going to happen. And then when guys start to say, I, I think this might be your year, um, that, that, that's when it gets a little nerve-wracking. But <laughs> I always looked at it that if it did happen, it was just going to be such icing on the cake. And I thought I'd be kind of low-key about it, but, but there's no way you can be low-key when it happens. Tony, thanks for the time. Thanks for the friendship, and congratulations on reaching Canada. Oh, thank, thank you. It's just an awesome feeling. I can't tell you what a great feeling it is. We'll be out there to see you. Yeah, we'll see you. All right. <laughs> we'll see you in August. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it, guys. Jeff, thank you. That was Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy. Up next, we'll take a look at the Hall's class of 2017. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. The whole process of buying a home, it was terrifying. We didn't know if it was even something that we could plausibly do. But having this estimate from Zillow, in which they kind of calculate out what the approximate value of that house maybe should be, it took all that kind of scary risk away. I can't tell you how much happier we are having a place of our own. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Yeah, your toilet's definitely clogged, but I think I found the problem. Sir, is this your action figure? Yes. I sent him in to check out the pipes. As a small business owner, you've got enough to deal with. Let the experts at Progressive insure your business so you can focus on more important things. 
With over 30 commercial auto and business coverage options, we'll build a plan that's right for you. Um, I got something else. Are these toy cars? Had to send in backup. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef, starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Another reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer analysis and diagnosis. Easy for me to say. And within minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Our first guest was the first pick of the 1997 NFL Draft and someone who actually lived up to the hype. Tech Orlando Pace went on to become the blocking keystone of one of the most explosive offenses in NFL history, the greatest show on turf. Not only going to seven Pro Bowls and two Super Bowls with the St. Louis Rams, but also voted to the NFL's all-decade team for the 2000s. Now, of course, he's a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2016, his second trip to the finals in his two years of eligibility. And if you've been listening to this show, it doesn't appear to be as much a matter of if in terms of his induction as it is when. Orlando Pace, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Lana, you were one of the two modern-era offensive linemen on the belt last year, but the voters decided to go the other way with Will Shields. How disappointed were you to be passed over in your first year of eligibility? Well, I think obviously uh, when you're a finalist, uh, you hope to to get in on the first ballot. I think everybody that's in that top ten, that's what they naturally think. So naturally, I was I was I was disappointed. But once I I kind of thought about it, and you look around, and you look at all those Hall of Famers that was in there. All those guys are, are Hall of Famers, and they're all worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. And you couldn't pick one guy that you you, you could move in front of. So uh, after that, you know, I, I, I kind of settled down. But disappointment is a part of it. Basically, that was it. We're with Hall of Fame finalist Orlando Pace on the Talk of Fame Network. And Orlando, since we're talking about great offensive linemen, the only other offensive lineman from Ohio State in the Hall of Fame who's from the game's modern era is a guy named Jim Parker. Now, some consider him the greatest offensive lineman ever. I know all three of us remember him. What do you know about him? And how much of an honor would it be to join Jim Parker in Canton? Oh, being a Buckeye, man, I, I've heard all the stories. Uh, you know, he's probably one of the greatest Buckeyes ever. Uh, as far as the linemen, you know, you, you hear the stories and, and how great he was as a player, and, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully, I can I can be that second Buckeye lineman to, to join him in the Hall of Fame as well. Orlando, what stories do you hear about uh, Jim Parker? Any that you can recall? 
just how, how dominating he was. He was a, he was a great, uh, great offensive lineman. Uh, you know, you kind of just share those stories, some, some of those older guys and how he played the game and, and you know, how, how, how dominant he just was at that position. Is, is there a Hall of Fame type thing at Ohio State where his pictures are up and maybe his uniform or anything like that? Well, they, they, they have shrines of all the great buck guys. Uh, it, it, it's getting better. Their facilities are getting better. So they, they're, they're, Ohio State's big on tradition and, and the players that played before them. So you can walk down the hall and see all the Ohio State Buckeyes, all the greats. They just waiting for your enshrinement to, to honor you, or <laughs> uh, you know what? They, 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 they've done they've done enough. They have enough pictures of me in that. So we, you know, they can add one more with the Hall of Fame. So we can find your photo if we walk down that hall. Oh yeah, no question. They have they have all the awards that I've won and. All the pictures and everything. So it's uh, you know they Ohio State does a great job of honoring their their, their former players. Orlando, let's take you back here. It's August twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. You're on the field when Trent Green suffered a season ending knee injury on a hit by Rodney Harrison in a preseason game. So what are you thinking when Green is carted off the field and Kurt Warner comes trotting on? Wow. First of all, we're we're feeling bad for Trent because uh, we felt like that year was going to be our year, Trent. Trent Green was going to take us over the top. We had Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and Thory Holt and all those guys. And that, to lose him in that preseason, it was a bummer. But uh, one thing that we did, and Coach, you've probably heard, probably seen the clip with with uh, Coach Vermeer saying we will rally around Kurt Warner. And uh, we knew Kurt was a, a good athlete. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't think, you know, I, and I thought he was going to be an NFL MVP and, and all those things. But, you know, I realized, once he got in there, he felt like he felt comfortable, and it was really our job as an offensive line to keep guys off of him, to get him comfortable and confident in our offense, so he can get the ball onto those weapons that we had. So, uh, initially, we were like, man, you know, we knew Kurt was a good athlete, he thought he was a good quarterback, and, and but we didn't think we didn't anticipate that he'd be that good uh, that early for us in that season. Who did? <laughs> yeah, yeah I know, who did? He, you know, he was back, you know he was bagging groceries a few years before that. So, uh, you know, no, no, no one really knew, you know, you know, the extent of how good Kirk could be at that time. Well, I, uh, Orlando, I saw that happen here in 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 Boston with uh, when Drew Bledsoe went down, and you know Tom Brady took over, and and of course everyone's rewritten the history now and say they knew it all along. Oh. But the fact of the matter is, assistant coaches literally put their houses up for sale. One guy called his wife that day and said, "We're out of here at the end of the season." Uh, so how long did it take for you to really sort of sense uh, that hey, this guy's got something special here? He's not just a guy who's going to do okay. He's got something else. How many games right. did it take? So, well, you know, I think it was our third game. I think we played San Francisco. And San Francisco had, up until that time, had beaten, you know, 17 times or something like that in a row. And, you know, and everybody was trying to get away from that, that, that losing streak. And I remember, you know, it was one of those things where we knew we were a good team and we knew Kurt was going to be our guy that's going to lead us to where we needed to be. And, that, and I think that was a big game, just overcoming, ending that losing streak in, uh, versus San Francisco at home. And, that's when we knew we were kind of the real deal. We could beat anybody in that league. Hey, Orlando, I was at that game because I was covering the 49ers. You weren't the only ones who knew you were the real deal. Do you remember what Bill Walsh <laughs> said after the game? Do you remember what he said after the game to Dick Vermeil? You're going to no, the Super Bowl. <laughs> he, he said you guys, and I think Ike Bruce, what, he caught like four touchdown passes in that game. You guys oh, killed yeah, that's it. When we knew. That's when we kind of knew we were on our way. We were like, man, Kirk, Kirk can play. We got plenty of weapons. We just have to stay healthy. That was the key for us. 
We're speaking with Hall of Fame finalist Orlando Pace on the Talk of Fame Network. And Orlando, we've got about a minute and a half left. But I want to say on that subject of Kurt Warner, um, some people say he doesn't belong in the hall because he had a big hole in the middle of his career when he should have been at the top of his game. He was released a couple of times. And, of course, he went to the bench. If you were pushing him for Canton, what would you say? What would you tell the voters? I would tell the voters uh, he took two franchises, literally two franchises, that were down in the dumps, the St. Louis team that had won four games prior, the year prior, turned that franchise around, turned them into a winner, took them to the Super Bowl, actually won the Super Bowl uh, with the team. And then, you know, a few years layoff, you take another uh, Arizona team that had done much to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but still, he's, he was a glue that really and played well late into his career. Uh, but, you know, Kurt and his story was just so wonderful, and he's a He's a he's a better person than he is player, and he's a pretty good uh, pretty good player. So, hopefully, he gets in. Hopefully, we both can get in at the same time. But you know, Kurt's a great athlete, great quarterback, and he's done more for the game than you know a lot of guys. So, um, I'm definitely pulling for him. Well, I asked you about going in with Jim Park. I mean, going joining to Kenton with uh, Jim Park and joining him there. How good a thrill would it be to go in with uh, Kurt Warner? That would be great, man. Kurt, we kind of went through this process last year, and we will congratulate our, ourselves. And I think when we both didn't make it, we both asked, you know, well, did Kurt make it? And he asked, did Orlando, did Orlando make it? So we're kind of going through this process together and enjoying every part of it. That's the end of that interview, but we can't stop talking. So we'll have more when we return. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Any Joe Schmo knows Geico will work to save you money on car insurance. But since money talks, why not just ask the savings? That's me, Joe Savings. I'm not literally a million bucks, but I feel like it. Why? Because when Joe switched his car insurance at Geico.com, his monthly rate went down and the savings went up. Now he uses the handy Geico mobile app anytime to check out his policy perks. Talk about a win-win and two thumbs up. Man, I wish I had thumbs. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. I've always had the dream, my whole life, I wanted to live on waterfront property. My favorite thing is just that little sound of that motor going by in the distance. And then about a minute later, the waves come out and make the the old rickety deck squeak a little bit. It's where I want to be. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to SOS-USA.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. 
Hey, the Talk of Fame Network is about to go places. In fact, we're going to Las Vegas and the Luxor Hotel for a December 6th show and interviews. You know what? You get started early by coming to the ultimate tailgate party with food and drink specials all weekend long. It's a big week for the Green Bay Packers, too, and not just because they play the Bears, but because they honor one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. Brett Favre, who was honored at Lambeau this summer, has his number retired there Thanksgiving night, and it brought back memories for us. Like the memory of interviewing Brett earlier this year on the Talk of Fame Network. Here, then, is our conversation with Brett Favre. Hey, Brett, in, in your early days at Green Bay, Mike Holmgren ran a staff that included future head coaches Andy Reid, Steve Mariucci, John Gruden, and Marty Morningway. Which one was the most instrumental in your development as an NFL quarterback? Well, without a doubt, it's Steve Mariucci. Now, that, that being said, all those guys uh, played a part. Um, I, I was extremely blessed to have great coaches. Most importantly, Steve Mariucci, because at that time he was in my corner, uh, and he kind of he was the, the liaison, if you will, between Mike and myself. Now, you know, and I know you guys know this; uh, it's been well documented, but some people may not know. Mike Holmgren took over in Green Bay after coaching Joe Montana and Steve Young, so you can imagine going from those two to me was, oh, uh, you know, like kind of like having a child and then 15 years later having another child and having to relearn all that stuff again. And that's what Mike Holmgren went through. So having Steve Mariucci, who was young, was energetic, was not biased to any other players on the team, really was in my corner. He spoke up for me. He was, I mean, he was awesome. He And still to this day, he's like family to me. And, and Steve and I remain very close and talk all the time. To be honest with you, when he left, it was devastating to me and fortunately I got over it and I and I do remember when Steve left Mike called me in the offseason and he said look I just want you to know I'm going to make Andy Reid our quarterback coach honestly my my first thought was oh you've got to be kidding me uh, and, and I say and I say that I liked Andy I really liked Andy a lot but Andy was a grinder he wore those tight ends out in meetings I mean they just it was like he didn't have any fun now when he took over as my coach, we had a blast. We grinded, but it was it was not what I envisioned. We had a lot of fun. He was extremely bright. You know, he didn't play quarterback. He played line at, at BYU, but he knew the quarterback position in and out. I was very impressed. And, and again, when he left, it was difficult. But I was around so many good coaches and, and a lot of young ones at that. John Gruden was outstanding. You know, no one knew who he was. He was outstanding. Marty Morningwig. You know, Mike just, he either knew these guys. Of course, Marty, he coached in high school. But Marty was, was another one. I mean, I just was so lucky to have these coaches at that time in my career that really fall along the same wavelength that, that I did. Brett, it, it, it amazes me that Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl and you won only one. How important was that victory? How did that one Super Bowl victory shape both your career and your legacy? I'll say this, I was naive, and I thought, well, heck, we'll go back and we'll win several more. And I, I'm sure so many quarterbacks have thought the same way. And what, and, and basically what that tells me and, and should tell everyone, it is hard to get back. First of all, it is hard to win. And I, Jim Kelly is a good, close, personal friend of mine. And I have said to Jim, we've hunted numerous times in different places, and we always get back to talking football with a bunch of guys. And I always say, say the same thing to Jim. Yeah, you didn't win a Super Bowl, but let me tell you, to go four times consecutively, uh, to go one time 
whether you win it or not, is, is quite an accomplishment, something you should be proud of. To go four times, you know, is amazing. And so I don't knock his career because he didn't win one, much like Marino, and I don't think people do that. But I don't, you know, I mean, there's so much that goes into getting to a Super Bowl besides the quarterback, and there's so much that goes into being a part of a winning team in the Super Bowl besides the quarterback. So I think, you know, what, what that basically says is the quarterback gets way more glory than he should, and he probably gets way more of the blame. I don't think quarterbacks should be labeled with wins and losses. I think head coaches, yeah, because they have to coach the defense, the offense, the special teams, they have to coordinate all these things where a quarterback does it. A quarterback can have a just an average game and win a Super Bowl. A quarterback can have an average playoff uh, run and, and get to the Super Bowl and win it. Um, you can play lights out in the Super Bowl and lose. So I, I think it's unfair to give the wins and the losses to the quarterback. But I do know by winning one, it does give you a sigh of relief that that pressure is off of you. Now, what that what that means, I don't know. Uh, because you know, it's still you, to get back and win it. You know, you were always thought of as a gunslinger. And, you know, back in the day when I was a young guy starting out as a writer, I was around Ken Stable all the time, who to me was the ultimate gunslinger, you know, unafraid of anything. Uh, and thinking back on your career, obviously sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. If I told you you could have one pass back from your career, one pass that you wish you hadn't thrown, does one immediately come to mind? Well, it'd have to be uh, the pass in Minnesota. Uh, well, I was actually in New Orleans that uh, that ended our playoff run, and uh, I, I thought we were well on our way to the Super Bowl. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't a, a bad decision in, in some respects, but, I, I mean, I, I just didn't trust the, that I could run for the first time. When I looked at the film, I was devastated. Was Sidney Rice open? Yeah, he was. But I didn't have enough juice to get it there. I couldn't even move. Had I had that, you know, I could have gotten the ball there. You know, in hindsight, I, you know, I should have ran the ball or tried to run the ball. We were in field goal range, and then we were bounced out uh, by a few yards. And I think I could have got that running. And, uh, you know, that probably – there were other times in my career I just thought I could gun them in there. This was probably more – I didn't think I could get to the first down because I'd, I'd hurt my ankle at, and actually my hamstring the previous two drives and was probably in the worst pain that I'd ever been in playing. And, and I doubted what I could do, and it, it turns out to be a, an awful decision. Brett, last question for me, and we're with Brett Favre on the Talk of Fame Network. I want to ask you to play Ron Wolf for one minute here. You're the GM of my team. You're not on the board, but four quarterbacks are. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, John Elway. Which one do you take? Without knowing what they were capable of doing, without knowing what they were going to do, I would say by far John Elway. I mean, you know, if you if you were able to see into the future, I would say Joe Montana. But just based on them coming out of college, I would have taken John Elway. I thought he he offered you so many options uh, and was really ahead of the game with arm strength and, and mobility. I just don't see how you couldn't have taken him. But, of course, seeing into the future, it would be hard to not take Tom Brady or Joe Montana based on their Super Bowls. But I, to me, Joe Montana was the most polished, perfect quarterback I've ever seen. He just seemed to never do anything wrong. One last one for me. You're being inducted into Packer Hall of Fame this summer. How important was it for you to have the fences mended with a franchise that you helped restore to greatness? Well, I mean, it it, it means a tremendous amount. I I felt like once my career was over, just like with anything else, 
time heals a lot of things. And I knew that going to Minnesota and having to play against Green Bay, how you know how could you sit there in Lambeau Field and root for me? You know, I mean, maybe maybe under your breath you could. So I, I knew that that would be a difficult couple of years. But I felt like when time kind of moved on a year or so after I retired, that things would kind of get back into a, a, a better pattern. And that has been the case. And getting this, I say getting it behind us, I mean, I think we're, we're well beyond that now, and everything, to me, is fine. I mean, the fan support has been tremendous. Um, in fact, I mean, it's, it's been better than tremendous um, with, with an outpouring of, of this Hall of Fame induction. So I could not be more pleased with where things are now. But I'm not surprised. The Packer fans are they're different. They're like no other, and I think you guys know that. And and it's a special place. Hey Brett, what would the gold jacket mean to you? I always dreamed as a young child of playing in the National Football League. I mean, I I mean, I I knew if you asked me at seven years old what I was going to do, I was going to tell you play pro football. And if you had asked me at seventeen, the same thing. I never wavered from my dream. But I never dreamed of Hall of Fame. I never dreamed of Pro Bowls. I never dreamed of MVPs. I really didn't. So all those things to me are tremendous honors and, and achievements that that it was way more than I ever could have dreamed of. And to, you know, so I, I'm not hanging on a phone call to be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a tremendous honor to be to be, even be considered, first of all. But to be able to play in the National Football League in itself to me is an honor that not too many people get to to experience. And so. My career is capped. It doesn't have to be capped off by the Hall of Fame. That's not to say I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame. I think every player would love to, me included. I'm just honored that I got a chance to do it and do it for so long and achieve so many things that I never dreamed of. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. And, and to, to be capped off not only the Packer Hall of Fame, but the NFL Hall of Fame is just words can't describe it. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6, right on travel, right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Hi, can I help you pick out some flowers? Yeah, I need a centerpiece, but these yellow ones are too bright for a fundraising event. Do you have anything in uh, gamboge? Gamboge? Gamboge. As a small business owner, you've got enough to deal with. Let the experts at Progressive insure your business so you can focus on uh, Gamboge. With over 30 commercial auto and business coverage options, we'll build a plan that's right for you. Oh, and they need to be hypoallergenic. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef and they're 100%. Mm. 
They're so good, they make us want to sing like. I can't believe it. Burger King made a grill dog. Made with a hundred percent beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with a hundred percent beef. Starting at just a dollar ninety nine. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. The whole process of buying a home, it was terrifying. We didn't know if it was even something that we could plausibly do. But having this estimate from Zillow, in which they kind of calculate out what the approximate value of that house maybe should be, it took all that kind of scary risk away. I can't tell you how much happier we are having a place of our own. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download MyCleanPC.com software to clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Next to Peyton Manning, our first guest might have been the happiest guy in San Francisco on Super Bowl <laughs> weekend, except his joy really had nothing to do with adding another Lombardi trophy. It had to do with making it into the Hall of Fame. I'm talking, of course, a former 49ers owner and friend of the show, Edward J. DeBartolo Jr. And Eddie, first of all, thanks for joining us again. This is your second appearance here in three weeks. We had you live on in San Francisco, and we appreciated it then, and we do now. But most of all, congratulations on making it to Canton, only this time not as a presenter. Uh, thank you so much, Clark. And uh, when Jerry and I uh, sat with, with you guys in uh, uh, Radio Row, I was, uh, I, I'm surprised I could get anything out of my mouth because I was so nervous. Well, I was going to ask you about that because when we sat down with you, and that was two days before the vote, you were understandably nervous. Can you take us back to the moment that David Baker, who's the president of the Hall of Fame, knocked on your door to tell you that, yes, in fact, you are in the Hall of Fame. You know, all I know is that I, I, you know, I was looking out the peephole. I turned to my wife and I said, it's David Baker. And she started crying so loud. And uh, I opened up the door and, you know, David gave me a hug and he said, congratulations. And uh, when David Baker hugs you, you're hugged. Um, <laughs> you're crushed. And, uh, yeah. And I was, I, I, I just couldn't hold my emotions in. I can't, you know, I, I still can't put it into words. It was just beyond, uh, beyond my comprehension. And it just, like I think I said uh, on, on the show, you know, a few weeks ago, it was just sort of a culmination of many, many years. And uh, I guess all those emotions and um, I cried like a baby right along with my wife. When were you more, you more nervous? You know, facing the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s or facing the room that Clark and I and, and, and Goose sat in on February 6th deciding your 
Hall of Fame fate. That's not even close. Sitting with you guys. <laughs> that was, we make that, a lot of people was, nervous. <laughs> oh, that, that, I mean, that's not even that. That's not even close. I mean, obviously, it's a different type of a, a nervousness. Um, you know, the outcome uh, is obviously different. But uh, I was I was a nervous wreck that whole week. I had anxiety attacks and panic attacks and everything that goes along with it. But uh, yeah, I never did like to face the Cowboys either, though. So, <laughs> we had some success against them, but uh, really not as much as I would have liked to. They had a great team. You know, one of the things that, that finds me interesting in your case or guys that are in your case, you know, if you're a player, you can understand a guy, maybe he's, you know, he's been a great player since Pop Warner, so maybe at some point in time he starts thinking about, yeah, maybe I'll get in the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm in the NFL, I'm leading the league in rushing or whatever I'm doing. But for guys in your position, I wouldn't think that you really think about the Hall of Fame. Did you ever think about it or did it sort of come to a degree at least out of the blue because it's so different from a, a player's experience? Uh, when when my name was mentioned and I was in a, a very long list some years ago, I didn't mention uh, to myself. You know, I never I never really thought you know that anything like that was was even a remote possibility. Uh, and then you know I the the list kind of dwindled and I got down to the fifteen a couple of times. And I still thought it was a a real real you know long shot. I mean you know you we're we're dealing with. You guys, I mean, you know because you're intimate, you vote. You're dealing with uh, icons. You're dealing with people that that made this made this great sport what it is. And um, I don't know. It just you, you never think that uh, that you know you belong. I, I I mean, I I I I really wanted to think that way, but it was um, I don't know. It was just it was something that I thought was far beyond reach then it got uh you know a little bit of momentum it started to build up and uh, you know some of the writers and you know the, the the young lady that works for me here who worked you know very hard she probably uh made everybody half crazy but she she did a phenomenal job valerie you know it started to become something that was a you know a, maybe not a, a, a an elusive possibility let me put it that way and um, you know then uh, when they formed this contributor category and uh, I you know inducted uh, Charles last year and then uh, you know the two contributors and very worthy contributors last year were inducted it was just something that you know was something that became feasible and then when the five person group made me the, uh, the, the single contributor that really scared me, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, you know, knowing that, uh, uh, it, you know, there was a real possibility because of being uh, a single contributor, but yet knowing that, uh, you know, you still have to, you have to, you have to face the 46 men and women, you know, the, the reporters that are in the room and you have to get 80, 80% of their votes in a secret ballot and and you know they just that seemed very very difficult to me uh for some reason and um you know we got down to that point and uh i i think i i stopped at that point and um and just was just very very hopeful and uh and obviously very very thrilled uh with the amazing and inc incredible uh, results
Well, speaking of icons, we're with San Francisco icon Eddie DeBartolo and newest member of the Hall of Fame on the Talk of Fame Network. And Eddie, I, I joked about you at the beginning here uh, not being a presenter this time, but that's no joke, really. You've been asked to present five Hall of Famers, which is third behind only Al Davis and Paul Brown. So here's the question. Who's going to present you and why? Uh, you know, it was really uh, easy, but very tough. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I presented Joe, and uh, you know, God rest his soul, Bill Walsh. Probably, you know, if Bill was alive, it would have been, uh, it would have been a decision that was going to would have been would would have been difficult, and probably it would have been Bill Clark. But uh, I decided, you know, with the people that I I did induct. And, you know, obviously, uh, Joe Montana is a, a close, dear friend of mine. In fact, I talked to him uh, yesterday afternoon. I decided that uh, rather than, you know, try and, you know, wade through a lot of things and maybe hurt feelings or do this or do that, I thought that the best decision would be uh, my eldest daughter, Lisa Marie. Oh, okay. All right. And 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 I want to follow up on that. Um, we've got about a minute left here, Eddie, but... But when you look back on your career as 49ers owner, I know you surrounded yourself with your daughters at that time, and it was a great and wonderful time. But what do you consider your fondest memory? I guess my fondest memory, uh, not counting what happened in the last three weeks, probably uh, back in 1977 when uh, I was in a uh, hotel room at, uh, uh, with my dad at the Hyatt downtown San Francisco when we got a... Um, uh, call from uh, the Morbido ladies and, and the trust to say that uh, that they had accepted our offer. That was a very, very big moment. Uh, obviously, the the Super Bowls, uh, I, it's, it's almost impossible to put your finger on just one moment, but uh, Bill Walsh's hiring uh, and the friendship that developed uh, after that, I could probably be here for a long time. Well, we'll talk to you again about it, uh, but we want to tell you how much we appreciate your time with us the past year and the past three weeks. We will see you at the Hall of Fame, and don't be a stranger, Eddie, because we know how to find you. We're going to look for the biggest and loudest party, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. Good talking Thanks. to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. In that neighborhood, it was almost impossible to get what we could afford. So I had set up alerts on Zillow to say, if anything in this area ever comes below a certain price point, it just popped up one day and I was like, oh my God, we have to go see it. It's a really wonderful neighborhood. And then to add on to that, how wonderful the house is, is so cool. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Geico applauds your inner ride leader. An enthusiastic engine rev goes out to the biker in you who leads the pack. Even if that pack is a party of one, you're still a leader to Geico. To prove it, Geico will insure your motorcycle with great rates and 24-7 customer service. And with Geico by your side, you're never cruising solo, which means you've just been nominated as a real ride leader. Congrats. The smell of fine leather and trailblazing is in your future. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled every time you want.
You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef, starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to SOS-USA.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. Well, our first guest is becoming a regular on this program. We had former linebacker Kevin Green on two weeks before the Hall of Fame selection. We had him on during Super Bowl week. And now we've asked him back, I think this is the fourth time in the last calendar year, guys, to tell us what it feels like to finally cross the threshold after 12 long years of waiting. Kevin, first of all, thanks for coming back. But most importantly, congratulations on an honor long overdue. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. I always always enjoy our visit. So, yes, I am just tickled to death, and I'm still uh, not quite in touch with reality yet again. I'm still walking on cloud nine, so uh, I'm still still pretty pumped about it. It it is uh, definitely a very humble honor. Well, I mentioned to you, we've spoken to you a lot over the past year, and we have, so we know how much the selection means to you, Kevin. So please, if you can, describe the situation with David Baker, who's the president of the Pro Football Hall, knocked on your door to tell you, you know, you finally made it. You know, it, it, it was pretty neat. At, at the time, not saying, I just finished telling my son, Gavin. My, my daughter, Gabby, was also in the room, as well as my wife, Tara. You know, I just finished saying, okay, look, son, we've been here before. And when we get the phone call, you know, telling us good luck next year and come down and, and congratulate your Hall of Fame, you know, teammates and so forth. We need to handle this graciously, son. And with this is, I've been here. With this is, he's like, no, Dad, you're going to get in. You're going to make it, Dad. And I'm like, son, look, I've been here before, and this is the way we want to graciously handle this, son. Okay. And then right then, as I'm, really starting to get Gavin under control and say, hey, this is the way we're going to handle it. Then that big boom, boom, boom from, you know, the president of the Hall of Fame, Mr. David Baker, who's a very large American. He's like a <laughs> big guy. 420 pounds. His knocks are, are a thundering, you know, hammer on the door. And I jumped out of my seat. And I looked at, I looked at Gavin. He's like, what, what, what was that? Dad? And I went and looked at, through the peephole and, Mr. David Baker, his old head sticking up, you know, the whole people, <laughs> bless his heart. And I turn around, I give everybody a thumbs up, like, yeah! And I open the door and I give him, <laughs> he gives me a big bear hug, you know, and we're just all hugging and crying. It's just, it's, it was just a, a, a surreal moment. Really, really cool. Kevin, when you're elected to <laughs> Hall of Fame, a, a bond forms with your classmates. Tony Judge, you said that Marvin Harris has already named you captain of the class of 2016. <laughs> do, do you sense a kinship developing with the Dungeons, Harrisons, and DeBartolos? Oh, yes, sir. I mean, uh, we were just all really tremendously uh, gracious with each other and you know, congratulating each other and 
you know, just hugging each other because this this really was something I think we were all really uh, looking forward to, to to really cap off our our career. I think we all thought we belonged and just if one reason or another came up short every year and then and when it happened we were just all just so finally relieved that we were all in and we were all in together and so we just you know, just a lot of hugs and congratulations with each other. It was just a, a tremendous feat. Kevin, you of course had to be patient for a long period of time, longer than a lot of people thought was justified. Uh this year of course you had Terrell Owens who first time as a candidate and didn't get in and he's been barking ever since about this that and the next thing i'm just wondering once you get in does it seem a lot less important how long it took yes sir yes sir that's correct i think uh you know time you know that you wait for this thing really is it's a non-factor at, at that point you know you're just so happy so humbled and blessed and uh so relieved i think you know that is uh, finally come to fruition. So, uh, yes, sir, the time that you've waited really uh, is a non-factor at that point. So you're just really grateful to uh, be a part of such a wonderful uh, elite fraternity. We're speaking with Hall of Fame linebacker and class of 2017 captain, apparently, Kevin Green on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and Kevin, um, when you close your eyes, do you see yourself as a Steeler, a Ram, or a Panther. I'm not going to ask you about the 49ers because I covered you that when you were there, you were there, and you were there only one year. But how about the three others, the Steelers, Rams, or the Panthers? Yes, sir, that's a good question. I played eight years uh, with the L.A. Rams, and uh, by far the longest tenure of any team I played for. And I was a Pro Bowl player out there, and I did some good things for that team and uh, racked up some pretty good sack numbers and so forth. But it wasn't until... I became a Steeler in that first year of free agency in 1993 that I think I really stepped up on the stage and really became, you know, that dominant player that could potentially, you know, if if I strung some years back to back to back, you know, be, uh, you know, considered for the Hall of Fame. It was there in Pittsburgh in three rivers surrounded by some great players. I had Greg Lloyd on the other side of me and I had, LeVon Kirkland, Chad Brown, and Jerry Oslowski, inside linebackers. And then my corner, who, who I worked in conjunction with, past coverage concepts, teams, and so forth, was Hall of Famer Rod Woods. And, and Carnell Lay coming down the eight-man box, you know, and, and I had Darren Perry over the top. I, I mean, I just had a great supporting cast around me that just made me a better player. And that, that's when I really started to step up my play as, as a student. So uh, I hope I've answered your question in, in a roundabout way, you know, and, and not really, you know, ticking off a lot of folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kevin, Kevin, I want to follow, I want to follow up on Ron's question a second ago. As you've discovered, the process for election to the Hall of Fame is supposed to be difficult. The sense I've gotten from many of the enshrinees is that the longer the wait by a candidate, the greater the sense of appreciation. Is that the case with you? Do you have a greater sense of appreciation for the honor now after 12 year wait than had you gone in the first year of eligibility? And uh, another fine question. L- let me let me put my answer like this: Is that you know I always kind of thought I belonged, and I looked around at some of the people that were being put in before me, some of the people that played the same position that I did, uh, that three, four outside linebacker, you know, pass rush kind of guy, that I know that I, I played longer and I did it really did better as far as the production and, and impact on, on four teams. You know, I, I looked at that and 
I was confused about the process more than anything. And uh, so I guess uh, it, it, it was a relief that it, it finally happened. Of course, like I know a lot of Hall of Famers. They, they think it really should have happened, you know, three, five, seven years before. But it, it was just a, 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 re, a relief that it had it finally happened. And, and a relief of, you know, no more confusion about the process. It really doesn't matter anymore. You know, I, I'm, in. I'm I'm a member of the 2016 class of Pro Football Hall of Fame. So. Right, and you get to, you'll get to see on that gold jacket because you're the captain. You know? yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you were the only defensive player selected this year, and defensive players are outnumbered about two to one in the Hall of Fame. The last safety we put in uh, played in 1980, Kenny Houston. Uh, are the voters yeah. missing the boat on defense, in your mind? Yeah, you know, I hate to be selfish, but I I, I do wish that the voters would look a little bit more uh, at the defensive side of the ball. And, and see that there has been some, you know, really, really fine players that have, have slipped through the cracks, you know, one reason or another. Kind of like, you know, I, I had felt that was happening to me. And, you know, the Steve Atwaters of the world, you know, and the Sam Mills of the world. And and, and I, I would I would like the voters to, you know, consider, you know, kickers a little bit more seriously. I, I looked at Morton Anderson and, and, and the reality of, of Morton Anderson is that he has scored more points than anybody in the history of the NFL. And, and for me, as a player, that, that holds a, a, a lot of weight with me. Uh, I know he's a kicker. I, I got that. But the man has scored more points than he played for 23, 25 years. He was on all-decade team in the 80s and 90s. You know, I, I don't know, six, seven-time All-Pro, six, seven-time Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, I just – I wish, um, you know, those stats, you know, stuck out and, and, and mattered uh, a, a little bit more. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for answering our calls this past month. Congratulations on reaching Canton. I appreciate your time, guys. As always, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We're looking forward to the party. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. That was Hall of Fame linebacker Kevin Green. Up next, the case for Jim Marshall and the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Any Joe Schmo knows Geico will work to save you money on car insurance. But since money talks, why not just ask the savings? That's me, Joe Savings. I'm not literally a million bucks, but I feel like it. Why? Because when Joe switched his car insurance at Geico.com, his monthly rate went down and the savings went up. Now he uses the handy Geico mobile app anytime to check out his policy perks. Talk about a win-win and two thumbs up. Man, I wish I had thumbs. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like. I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with a hundred percent beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. The whole process of buying a home, it was terrifying. We didn't know if it was even something that we could plausibly do. But having this estimate from Zillow, in which they kind of calculate out what the approximate value of that house maybe should be, it took all that kind of scary risk away. 
I can't tell you how much happier we are having a place of our own. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Okay, our, our first guest is one of the most decorated offensive linemen in the history of the Washington Redskins. Joe Jacoby was an original hog, playing on three Super Bowl champions, going to four Pro Bowls, and earning a spot on the 1980s NFL All-Decade team. He also was voted one of the 70 greatest Redskins of all time, not bad for a player who entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent, became a starter in his opening month on the job, and then stayed there for the next 13 years. Joe Jacoby, one of the 25 semifinalists for the Hall of Fame class of 2016, welcome to the show. Well, good to be here. Okay, Joe, you, you've been a five-time semifinalist for the Hall without ever reaching the finals. Do you think the enshrinement of fellow hog Russ Grimm in 2010 helped or hurt your cause? Well, I think it's uh, helped. I mean, obviously, I've made it four straight years since he's uh, been enshrined, so there's some uh, help by him getting into the hall. It's just uh, getting over that hump from the semifinals list into the room, as I guess it's been called. And uh, I think with him being there and knowing uh, what we did and success we had as a group of offensive linemen, it's helped my cause here in the last four or five years as far as staying viable on the on the list and getting to this point in the in the voting. You know, statistics, as you know, Joe, are, are such a big part of the Hall of Fame in a lot of these positions. And How frustrating or is it to be a candidate without any visible statistics? I mean, the only time an offensive lineman seems to attract attention is, you know, you make 61 great blocks and then he allows one sack and that's all everybody talks about. How do you judge, in your opinion, a great offensive lineman? Well, in my opinion, that's, that's watching games that recently and the announcers were keeping count of his penalties. And I'm <laughs> thinking, my gosh, uh, as far as what I look at, I think offensive linemen look at as one, or overall success of the team and how well we perform and, and we winning games and we winning playoff games and championships. And then you look at the quarterback and running back, how successful are their stats and their passing yardage and their touchdown to interception ratio and running backs? Are they, you know, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500-yard rusher? So there's where offensive linemen, in my opinion, what I took satisfaction in, what we accomplished and I accomplished in being part of that group, having very successful quarterbacks and running backs who did very well when we were all intact as a group. Joe, can you give us the origin of the nickname Hogs, and how much pride did you guys take in that moniker? Well, that came about from our famous offensive line coach, Joe Bugle, and it was uh, our first first year in the league, and uh, we were a very young group of linemen, 
myself, Russ, Mark May, were all first-year players, relatively inexperienced on the offensive line. And that was his pet with us at practice. After we get done stretching and stuff, he would yell at the first guys or say, come on, you hawks, just get down into the pit, hit the sled. So and that was his <laughs> saying to all of us. And then uh, Joe came up and made these T-shirts that we had to wear. It was like a fraternity. And we had to wear them one day a week during the season. If the guys didn't wear that shirt that day, there was a, a fine that went into the kitty. And, of course, that money was shared at the end that, that when we all got together and uh, had a party at the end of the season. But Joe was a highly highly motivated individual to bring us together, and uh, he was the ringleader of that group as far as the Hogs and what we did during back in the early and mid-'80s. You spent your first eight seasons at left tackle. Uh, then you moved to the right side. You played against Lawrence Taylor twice a year, Bruce Smith, Fred Dean, Chris Dolman, uh, Charles Haley, some of the greatest pass rushers in history, Hall of Fame players. Was it a matter of thriving over there on the left side or surviving on the left side? Well, you missed a few in there. I'm Reggie sure I White. did. <laughs> Reggie White, Leroy oh, sure. Spellman. I thrived on that. Most guys would run scared. No, I, I enjoyed that because I was a guy that nobody thought anything of. And it was a challenge to me to play against the best. And I enjoyed doing that. I look forward to those matchups. And uh, and I hope the guys I played against look forward to playing against me. I, I enjoyed that aspect of going against the best. And that's the way you measure yourself on the football field and the way you measure yourself on life. And uh taking those challenges, and uh, those were challenges. I mean, it was LT, then you know, coming to Reggie White, and the next week you got Chris Dillman, and the following week you got, so I mean, it was revolving door back then, with the, back in the NFC. We're with Hall of Fame semifinalist Joe Jacoby. Joe, of all those guys we talked about, who was the toughest guy to block? Hands down, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, because of uh, his size, uncanny strong. We knew about his speed. He was just a man on a mission every time he stepped on the field. His tenacity, I mean, his effort, and that was fun. You knew you weren't going to have any plays off with him, so it made the game pretty pretty exciting. And there were a lot of great battles we had with the Giants back then with that defense that Parcell had with Harry Carson and LT and the, you know Leonard Marshall, they had a good defense. So it was a knockdown, drag out, heavyweight fight every time we played. It went 15 rounds. Do you remember the first time you played him? And did you, did you did you come back to the huddle after a couple of plays and turn to Grimm and say, "Who's this guy? <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to do against this guy?" <laughs> no, I think we all knew who he was at that point, and. Uh, so you have to gear yourself for that speed, and then, but you can't get over, over on that because then it comes counted back with his force and uh, his strength coming straight into you. So you have to be pretty balanced and handle him best way you could. And it, maybe the technique wasn't 100% right all the time, but the battles went on. You blocked for three different quarterbacks, three different running backs who won Super Bowls. Of the three NFL champs, 82, 87, and 91, which one was the best team? i say all three of them, but I'm going to get to it. 82 is sentimental to me, one, because it's the first one, and second, because it was on my mother's birthday. My mother passed away my rookie year in camp, so that was 
special to me. 87 because of Super Bowl records in the quarter, the points, and uh, Timmy Smith, the 204 yards rushing, and what Doug did, Dave. That was just unbelievable football for 15 minutes, 18 plays, 350-some yards of offense. But I would say the most talented team and probably the best team was 91. We were on a mission, and uh, we accomplished it. And uh, we give up in 19 games, nine sacks. Pretty good for a, a non-mobile quarterback we had, Mark Rippin. So we gave him ample time to throw the football. He was very good at throwing the long ball. We want to thank all of today's guests for rejoining us, Derek Burns, for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you want to hear more of today's program or any program, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or dial us up on iTunes, or catch us on your podcast app. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Hi, can I have two steak tacos? Flour or corn? Oh, no tortillas. And no steak. Also add turkey, lettuce, and tomato. And just put it between two slices of bread. You know this is a taco truck, right? As a small business owner, you've got enough to deal with. Let the experts at Progressive insure your business so you can focus on whatever that was. With over 30 commercial auto and business coverage options, we'll build a plan that's right for you. Oh, I'll have Swiss on that, too. Thank you. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey, what's up? We love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. You can try it in classic or chili cheese. Flame grilled and made with 100% beef. Starting at just $1.99. Get a grilled dog now at participating Burger King restaurants. Flame grilling hot dogs since 2016. Price and participation vary. I've always had the dream my whole life. I wanted to live on waterfront property. My favorite thing is just that little sound of that motor going by in the distance. And then about a minute later, the waves come out and make the the old rickety deck squeak a little bit. It's where I want to be. Home means something different to everyone. With millions of homes for sale or rent on Zillow, whatever home means to you, Zillow can help you find it. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to sos-usa.org.